and he'll call me. How'd that phrase go? He'll call me someday to my home far away. Why is it that the world hates God? Why is it the world hates Jesus? Why is it that it seems like the only thing that, uh, the only name that gets trampled is the Lord Jesus? <clears throat> I'm just kind of curious why someone doesn't take the name of Muhammad in vain. <clears throat> it's an interesting little feature of the world that we live in. But I really want us to stop and think about that. Why does the world hate God? And why does the world hate Jesus? And a lot of it comes back down to what Jesus did that no one else could do. And he takes away any kind of glory that man wants to have. Because there's no other way unto God but through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. I am the way, he said. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No man, no person comes unto the Father but through me. So he gave a pretty bodacious proclamation there in saying that in John chapter 14. Well, um, we're glad that you're here uh, to be in this time together in singing and in hearing the word. And here this morning, we're going to continue, you know, the last two weeks we spent in Psalm chapter 1, and we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, Psalm chapter 1 is how the truly blessed person can avoid the counsel of the wicked and the mindset of the world. And the truly blessed person can develop a God-centered, Christ-honoring mindset as to how to think in this world. <clears throat> and the fact that the truly blessed person will delight himself or herself in the law of the Lord. Meaning, eventually, he's, she or she will delight in God. That's what the idea is there. Leading on to delighting in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the, the book of Psalms, uh, you know, we touched on it very briefly at the very beginning of this little mini-series. The book of Psalms has this little gateway called Psalm 1. Here's the gateway unto the Psalms, Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 lays out the course of your life's journey, really. It lays out the course for your life's journey. I was curious to ask this here this morning. How many of you still have... Uh, road maps in your glove compartment in your car. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> you got a phone or a GPS or whatever that leads you and guides you accurately, right? Uh, I don't know why we still have maps in our car, but we do. Okay. Well, and the way that Psalm 1 lays this out is by displaying the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. The two pathways of life. The path of the godly or the ungodly, said in different kind of ways. And listen, 
your actions, your words, your decisions, your choices, your reactions really eventually reveal what path you're on. Each path obviously has a set of directions with a final destination. Now, Scripture is full of examples of the two pathways. Um, at the very beginning, Cain and Abel. There's an example of the two different directions. Cain and Abel. Uh, Lot and Abram. Lot chose go this way. Abram chose go the other way. Um, Pharaoh and Moses. Obviously, two totally different directions. I, I, I love what's in, in um, 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And especially, I'm going to detail it and mention this. Uh, King Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18 and King Manasseh in 2 Kings 21. Two different courses that they're on. Two different, totally different pathways that they're on. And here... Uh, and well, also in the book of Esther, you remember? Here's not only Esther, but Mordecai versus Haman, the bad dude. Two different pathways that they're on. And obviously here in Psalm 1, the righteous and the wicked. And this last section that we're going to look at lays out three obvious truths. Okay. So uh, if you'd like to follow along in your bulletin, there is the, the outline there. We're going to start with point number one. It lays out a clear difference. It's very obvious. A clear difference. Look at Psalm 1. <clears throat> We're going to start at verse 2 and read there. His delight is in the law of the Lord. This is the righteous man. And in, on his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So there's the clear difference, and it starts with letter A, the man of God. How blessed is the man? It's because of God, first and foremost. He is blessed because of God, but it's also because of here's his discernment that he has regarding the counsel of the ungodly. It's also his, about his delight. He is the blessed man because of his delight. He's the blessed man because of the distinctions or the descriptions that's mentioned in verse 3. He'll be like a tree. Stable. He, spiritually alive. He's born again. Growing and stable in the things of spiritual life. He's gaining stability and strength to persevere through the tests and the storms of life. He'll be like a tree, able to stand those strong winds. It bears fruit. Its leaves shall not wither. We covered that last week. Prospering in whatever he does, 
the blessings of God overflow in this person's life. And I don't want to make it sound like, well, you're not there. The, the issue is, are you looking for the blessings? Are you aware of them? Are you in the word and recognizing how God identifies these blessings and how we need to identify the blessings? And don't take blessings lightly. There's always, always, always something to thank God for. Always. There's never a time where it's like, eh, there's nothing out there to thank God. No, there's never that kind of a time. There's always something to rejoice over. There's always something to thank God in. There's always something to pray about. First Thessalonians 5, right? So this blessed man is the picture of maturing and growing and being more stable in his spiritual life. Letter B, the wicked are not so. But, there's the first word, but, the wicked are not so. There's the big difference. There are no similarities here. You take a tree and you take a, a sample of what a chaff is. <laughs> it, the chaff is just something that's useless. It's blown away. So what is the picture trying to give us here? What's the picture about? Here's stability, and here's something that gets blown away so easily. Blown away by the wind. The chaff has no life in itself. It just, there's no comparison. The wicked are not so. And the word wicked, we need to uh, make sure we understand that. It's not just the Charles Mansons of the world. The wicked are the ungodly. Those who think, I don't need him. They're the irreverent ones, the impious, ungodly ones. Okay? Um, and so a lot of times in our minds, we think wicked is really, really bad. You know, they're on death row. Well, guess what? They are. But in our minds, we need to take into consideration what Scripture is telling us about there's only two pathways that you're on. You're on one or the other. And I'll probably say that ten times over here in this message. But there's only two pathways. Yes, there's all sorts of occupations, all sorts of likes and dislikes, but there's only two pathways in life. You're either on the righteous path or the unrighteous or the wicked path. so, this is God's word to us. There is a clear difference between the two. Point number two. There's also a clear decision. And the decision, you see it in verse five. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. This really gets at um, what God has done and will continue, He will eventually do in the coming judgment. It's presently true and it will be so in the future when God's final judgment comes. It says the wicked will not stand. He won't st the wicked will not stand before the judge of the universe, number one. They have no leg to stand on. What, what are they going to say to the 
perfect, holy, righteous judge of all. What will they say? They have no leg to stand on. They have scorned his gift. They've scorned the gift of God. They've scorned him. They've scoffed at him. They treat him like he's not even there. They've rejected Christ. They're guilty of unbelief. I didn't say anything about they, they raped or they misused other people. No, I didn't even say that. It's simply they had unbelief. They rejected the Savior. Jesus, we think, you know, in, in some circles of Christianity, um, people just want to talk about Jesus. Well, Jesus loved us. Do you realize how much Jesus talked about judgment? A lot of times we don't get that. We don't dive in and take what Jesus said. John 3.16. How many can quote that? Like I can. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How does it finish? That whosoever believes on him should not perish. There's judgment there. He was talking to Nicodemus. And then John 3, 18 says this. He who believes, Jesus talking, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So there's judgment. There's condemnation. You go into Romans. We, oh, Romans, yes, we'll be there next week. Again. And it's good. But earlier on in Romans, you know, here's God's condemnation. Romans chapter 1. The ungodly suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. On and on it goes. Romans 1, 2, and 3. There's a lack of God's righteousness in you. And therefore, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? So that's, it's God's righteous judgment. And no one's going to escape that. No one will. God knows. God is that big. Here's another problem I have, we, we, we all tend to have, we, we belittle God in, in some way or another. We make him more our size so we can handle it. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches us. And we'll see that later. Letter B, under number two, is the believer's righteous standing. You say, how do you get that? Well, nor sinners in the... Sinners are not going to stand in the congregation of the righteous. But wait a minute. If we're thinking in long-term way, yes, sinners will stand in the congregation of the righteous in heaven. How? Because of God's doing. What does it mean to be saved? Do you know what it means to be saved? Hmm. Well, I, I was saved from my bad habit. I, I was saved from loneliness. I was saved from depression. I was saved from this or that. Those are issues in life that we deal with. But that's not what you're saved from. You're saved from punishment. You're saved from perishing. You're saved from God's wrath against sin. And Jesus stepped in to take your punishment by bearing 
our sins in his body and taking on the wrath of God for you. He died in your place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He died so that you might live for him. And so we have a righteous standing. The only ones that can, quote, stand in God's great assembly are the righteous. Those who have been justified by faith in Christ. If you've been justified by faith in Christ, you have peace with God. Romans chapter 5. What a glorious truth where a person who puts faith in Christ is declared righteous by God. Through faith in Christ, you are declared righteous by God. So, this is really speaking to a clear judicial decision. One is of condemnation and penalty. The other is of justification. Where are you? Where do you stand? What is the decision on your life? If it was right now, right now, what would the decision on your life be? How do you know you are justified? How do you know God will say, come on in? And if you don't know, something's wrong. That's what we're here for. We want to help in that way. We, we got people sitting right here that can help you learn about what that really is. Learn to have a secure understanding of what God has already revealed in His Word. So there is a clear decision that will, that's been made and will be made. In other words, without Christ right now, you've already been judged. You're already um, condemned. But there's hope. God still got the invitation out. Where Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. That's not talking about physical weariness and heavy ladenness. That's talking about you trying to make things right with God on your own power, in your own power. And Jesus said in that verse, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. He didn't say maybe. I'll think about it. So please, we, we implore you, come to faith in Jesus Christ. Acknowledge your sin. Repent from your sin. And trust in Christ. And as you do, you will know that your sins are forgiven. You will know the peace of God. You'll have peace with God. So there's not only a clear difference between the two paths. There's not only a clear decision that is made and will be made, will be fulfilled. Number three in your outline, there's a clear destination. And this is similar. The way of the righteous is by God's grace and guidance. The way of the righteous is by God's grace and God's guidance. They go hand in hand. This is what verse 6 talks about. Look at verse 6. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. That's not just head knowledge that, oh yeah, I, I, I know, they're out there somewhere. They're on their way. 
That's not it. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The word knowledge here is not merely head knowledge. It's rather full knowledge, intimate knowledge. Not partial, but full. The Lord knows your pathway. And by grace we are saved by His doing. If you're a believer in Christ, you've put faith in Christ, now you are His child. You're His own possession. And as His children, get this, (laughs) He keeps His children. He doesn't lose track of them. He keeps His children. We are preserved by God through all the various trials, storms, battles of life, everything else that happens in life. Psalm 139, write it down. Psalm 139, 1 through 6. In verse 3 it says, You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Here in Psalm 139, 1 through 6, especially, we see God's omniscience. His omniscience. Again, it's like this blows our mind. God knows everything? Yes. God knows everything. He's God. He's not some deified person. You know, kind of like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. (laughs) He's God. He is almighty. He's perfect in every way. If he wasn't, he wouldn't be God. Also, along with this idea of guidance, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Get that. If you don't have that down, some of you are quoting that with me. Yes, way to go. Others, you get that and hold it and treasure it. And then at the end, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall, what? Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because God's watching over you, guiding you by His grace. Thank God. I want you to write down Psalm 32, 7 through 10 is another passage to consider there on God's guidance. Psalm 32, 7 through 10. Also, a great one, I love it. Proverbs 4, 10 through 27. Proverbs 4, 10 through 27. The path of the righteous is like the dawning of the day that shines brighter and brighter. I love that. Are you on the path of the righteous in your life? I read during prayer time, Psalm 73. Psalm 73 in verse 24 said, You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. He doesn't guide us by our feelings, our emotional responses to things. I feel so like I gotta, I feel like I gotta do this. He guides us by his counsel. Okay? Give him the glory and give him your trust. So, this business of the way of the righteous, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And that's going to be all the way 
till, and he'll call me someday to my home far away. Okay? That's what it is building towards. And let's not forget, believer, you're one day closer to glory. And it will blow you away. It will blow all of us away to see Jesus in person. So, it's a clear destination, the way of the righteous, and then, letter B, the way of the wicked. It's man's, here's the problem, man's guilt, man's guiltiness. It's the, the wicked, they've refused to believe, they've rejected the Son of God, and the result is, there's perishing. The wicked, the way of the wicked, verse 6, the way of the wicked will perish. To perish means to be undone, to be destroyed. And remember, it's there in the world's most popular favorite verse, John 3.16. The word in the Greek is apolumi. And... It's interesting, I, I make mention that because there's an interesting correlation in Revelation chapter 9. In Revelation chapter 9 is the name Apollyon. Apollyon is the satanic angel of death. Obviously meaning the destroyer. Don't confuse that with the destroyer of the Passover in Exodus. That destroyer was God, right? That destroyer was God because the blood was put on the doorposts in Egypt there and the angel of death would pass over if, that, if blood was on those doorposts. And the picture comes to you and I today the blood better be on the doorposts of your life or there will be perishing. There will be death. Separation from God. This is a challenging thing to speak about because we'd rather talk about the wonderful love of Jesus. But Jesus warned people about the coming judgment. Jesus warned people about hell. And so we will too. The way of the wicked has its clear destination. Separation from God. And Jesus himself sternly warned and lovingly warned that there would be coming judgment. He talked about the sheep and the goats. They'll be separated. Or the righteous and the wicked. They'll be separated. In Matthew 25, 41... Matthew 25, 41, Jesus said, Then he, the king, referring to God, he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So, we say it again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge that you cannot in your own 
effort, in your own power, climb some spiritual ladder and say, I'm approved by God. Because he doesn't. It's only through Christ. Justification by faith. Being declared righteous. Having your sins forgiven. I would love the opportunity to, uh, once we're done here, to talk with you about it. If you have questions. It doesn't get uh, talked about each and every Sunday here if you're visiting and new. But it's, it's of, the, of life's greatest value. Because it's talking about eternity. And your right standing or your separated standing from God. So we come to our clear conclusion. <laughs> we stuck with our little uh, clear idea there. Clear difference, clear decision, clear destination, and now a clear conclusion. We bring this up and just want to bring application regarding what path you're on. What is the direction of your life? What's the direction of your life? It's a little different than saying, what path are you on? What's the direction of your life? I said at the very beginning, our words, our responses to things, how we act, how we talk, how we conduct our lives, really eventually reveals what path we're on. There's a lot of people that can look like a a spiritual giant and look really like a devoted, devout Christian. And it might be that it's a false profession of faith. The Bible warns about false professions of faith and false teachers, etc., etc., in the New Testament. And so we want to be aware of that. Back to what Jesus said. Mark it down. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Beware, be aware of these strong warnings. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? In your name cast out demons? In your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, that last, those last two words, I want to zero in on that. Stay with me. Practice lawlessness. What's the direction of your life combines with this thought of what your practice is. Not your practice necessarily on Sunday mornings. That We're not, you know, we're glad that you're here. But what's the practice of your life? The direction of your life? Listen, in fact, let's turn there. 1 John chapter 3. Turn there in your Bible. 1 John chapter 3. We're winding down. I'm not starting up a new <laughs> fresh here. 1 <laughs> John chapter 3. Follow along with me as I start at verse 4. 1 John 3, verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. There it is. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared, Christ appeared, to take away sins. And in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. 
No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. There's that, there's that uh, contrast again. Here's the, right, the righteous and the wicked. Here's the children of God and the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Listen, this idea of practice is not perfection. It's not talking about perfection here. It's talking about the direction of your life. And so you, like the pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress, are you keep walking on the path to the celestial city? Or are you getting side-blinded, whatever it is, blindsided, and now you're off the track again? And you're not getting up and getting on the path and walking again. A lot of people do that. They get blown, blown off by, you know, here's doubt, here's depression, here's anger, here's fear. And we don't get back on the path and keep walking. Now, I don't want to make that sound like determined self-will. I want to make that into what it ought to be. Relying on God's grace to pick you up and keep you going. It's by God's grace He saved us. It's by God's grace He sustained you. And so, what's the direction of your life? Then letter B, how's the devotion of your life? What does that look like? The devotion of your life. What do you really love? Because that's what, that's what it comes down to. That's what it all boils down to. I can say, I got the right direction. I'm on the path. I've, I've done the Iwana verses. I've memorized all the... Right? I got it all down. I went to Bible college. Got it all down. There's a lot of stories like that out there, but the devotion factor is nil. It's, it's lacking. And quite honestly, it's a challenge for those of us who attend church on a regular basis. Because, uh, you know, yawn. Because I, 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 yeah, I, I know about justification, I know about forgiveness of sins. Something's missing. And what did, what did John write to the churches in Revelation? What was one of his concerns there? That you have lost your first love. And what we saw in, in Psalm 1 and all throughout different passages of Scripture, it really is boiling down to the question of what do you really love? Who do you really love? Because all too often I'm, I got myself 
in first place, not Jesus in first place. I got something else in first place, not Jesus. And because I've got some little idols, I'm, I'm hiding behind my tent here, underneath the tent, like Achan. So it, all, it really comes down to that issue of love. Of what is the object of your devotion? That reveals what you truly depend on. What you depend on. What you rely on. And thus what you truly love. So what you love, you worship. This is a challenge for all of us. You know, I'm not trying to... Um, speak like I've made it, I've arrived. It's a constant issue. Do I put my grandchildren, you know, in first place? Yeah, that's a hard thing because I love my grand... We love our grandchildren. All sorts of things that are, you know, are a stretch, a challenge here. And so what you love, you worship. So we must fix our highs, fix your life and your life direction on loving and following the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And we learn from life's examples and we learn from the Bible's examples. Parkside Bible Fellowship, like all other churches, is not a perfect place. Shock. Are you on that path of righteousness and you keep looking at the sun? And when you keep looking at the sun, you can't see hardly anything else. And it shows on your face. Because you've, you've kept your eyes on Jesus, the Son of God. We've got a great blessing here in the Word of God. And we've got a rich, rich blessing in Psalm 1. Please stand and uh, I'd like to read it and then we'll pray and be closing our session together. Uh, By the way, if you are interested in praying with someone, there'll be a couple up front that would like to pray with you, uh, talk with you. Um, So feel free to come on up following the closing prayer. Please just close your eyes and again, bow your head, let it sink in. Oh, how blessed is the man. Oh, how blessed is the woman. The child. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his satisfaction, his his love is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, 
but the way of the wicked will perish. Heavenly Father, we bow before you to say how great you are. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the perfect God. There is no other. You are holy and righteous and you are the, you're the perfect judge. You know the, heart, you know the heart of man. You know the motives that we have. Lord, we all will be held accountable before you. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for the, the amazing, wonderful, finished work of Christ in salvation. And we thank you, Lord, that you continue to do your work in conforming your children to the image of Jesus more and more and more. Please help us to be a people that uh, submit to you and yield to you and love you and live for you. Help us with these things, Lord. We need you. And we know how easy it is for us to get sidetracked and look elsewhere. So today and this week, help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you and you are dismissed.